would he be on this date? So I picked Ecclesiastes 5. And then last Sunday, when he said, I'm preaching from Ecclesiastes 5, I'm thinking, great, he's going to steal my sermon. But he didn't. He actually skipped this passage. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 1. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. And do not protest to the temple messenger, Oh, my vow was just a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? A study a few years back in U.S. News and World Report about morality in the United States found that far more Americans than ever admit that they lie regularly. We don't want to be called liars. We don't want to be lied to, but we don't mind the actual lying part ourselves, apparently. That's kind of a strange paradox, but it is the outlook of many Americans today. And the danger for the Christian is that our culture's thinking can begin to influence even the lives of Jesus' own disciples, that's you and me, if we're not careful. Jesus said in Matthew 5.33, You have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, Make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. It's interesting that Jesus there was not quoting an Old Testament verse. In other places throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he quotes from the Old Testament. He said, you have heard it was said, do not murder. That's an Old Testament quote. Do not commit adultery, Old Testament quote. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, Old Testament quote. But this, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord, was not a quote from the Old Testament. Instead, this was another one of those traditions that had been handed down from generation to generation and had actually become equal with Scripture in the, in the Jewish mind, which, of course, is very dangerous spiritually, but very common. The, original, the, 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 origin, the origin of the source is probably Exodus 20, verse number 7, where God said in the Ten Commandments, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now, God probably was not talking about cursing, specifically, when he gave that command. Certainly, cursing with God's name is covered and prohibited by that law, but that was, that was probably not a problem with the Jews, cursing with God's name in a, in a vulgar way. They held the name of God in very high regard. In fact, almost too high, if that's possible. For they, they, they soon refused to even say the name of God and ultimately forgot how it was even pronounced. But God was likely talking about honoring him Enough that when you, take, when you take his name in an oath, 
that you had better be sure and honor the pledge and you carry it through as you promised, no matter what. You do not use his name lightly. I mean, God doesn't, and he expected his people to do the same. We see something similar in Leviticus 19.1. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And what Jesus has been saying throughout the the, the Sermon on the Mount is that his disciples are to, to be a certain way because God is a certain way. We are to be something because God is. If he is holy, we should be holy too. Listen to these commands from Leviticus 19. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of God. Why? I am the Lord. Do not defraud your neighbor or rob him. Do not hold back the wages of a hired man. Why? Because that is how God treats us. So whatever it is, we are to do it honestly. Our business transactions, our personal commitments, our legal responsibilities are all to be done with total honesty. Leviticus 19.35, do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight, or quantity. Use honest scales and honest weights, an honest ephah, and an honest hen. Why? I am the Lord your God, he said, who brought you out of Egypt. In every situation, we are to be totally above board because that is how God is. Now, there are many Old Testament examples that can be cited, but let me share with you two of my favorites. Remember Joshua and the Gibeonites? The Gibeonites, who were Canaanites, came to Joshua pretending to be travelers from a far country, and they convinced the Israelites to make a covenant with them and not to harm them. Well, when Joshua found out who they really were, that they were neighbors, and the people wanted to destroy the Gibeonites, the leaders of Israel said, and I admire their answer, They said in Joshua 9.19, We have given them our oath by the Lord, the God of Israel, and we cannot touch them now. And here in Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the wisest of all men, said, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. The message of the Old Testament is clear. God wants his people to be people of their word. If an oath was called for, he expected his people to carry through with it. If the oath was in his name, then there was to be an extra measure of certainty and determination in seeing it through. But in all situations, tell the truth and make your word mean something all the time. So what was going on in Jesus' day? Well, knowing the Pharisees, nothing we really should be surprised at. They were keeping the law of Moses all right, but in a way that actually skirted honesty. What they did kept them right on the very fringes of honesty so that to most people, it looked like they were being godly in honoring their word, and they may, they may actually have thought they were fooling God. But listen to what Jesus said they were doing in Matthew 23, 16. He says, Woe to you blind guides who say, Whoever swears by the temple, that's nothing. 
But whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated to keep his oath. You fools and blind men, Jesus said, which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? And you say, whoever swears by the altar, the altar of sacrifice, that's nothing. But whoever swears by the offering on it, oh, he's obligated. You blind men, which is more important, the offering or the altar that, that sanctifies the offering? Therefore, whoever swears by the altar swears both by the altar and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by the temple and by him who dwells within it. And whoever swears by heaven swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. See, these people in Jesus' day were, were, were making a lot of oaths. And there was nothing wrong with that based on God's Old Testament law, which they were under. They made oaths in the name of heaven, in the name of earth, and in the name of Jerusalem. And back in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said they were, they were making oaths by their own heads. I guess that's, that shows how important they thought they were. But they were not pleasing God at all. But do you see what they were doing? Some oaths were binding, and others weren't, and it depended on the words they were using. I swear by the temple. Is that oath binding? Were they obligated to keep such an oath? In their opinion, no. But, I swear by the gold of the temple. Were they then obligated to keep it? Yes, they were, in their opinion. If they said, I swear by the altar of God, were they bound to that oath? No, not binding. But if I swear by the gift on the altar, then yes, it was binding. It didn't count if the oath was by the temple or by the altar, but it did count if, the, if it was by the gold of the temple or the gift, the sacrifice that was on the altar. To be honest, I've never been able to understand that kind of perverted logic. How they even reason that out, it makes no sense. But it certainly shows where their heart really was and where their priorities were, and the end result of that kind of reasoning was, was this. There were times when they would make oaths, but they had absolutely no intention of keeping them and honoring them, and they thought it was all morally okay just by the words they were using to make the oath. Kind of like, you know, you make a promise or a commitment, but I've got my fingers crossed behind my back, so then it doesn't count. As if, that, if, as if my fingers crossed behind my back makes that lie or that broken promise, okay, well, you know, I had my fingers crossed when I said it, so I'm excused. If they swore by the temple, or the altar, or by heaven, or by the earth, or by their own heads, they might not be telling the truth. But if they invoked the name of the Lord in their oaths, they would likely be telling the truth. I mean, after all, God did say, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. So in that case, they had to be telling the truth. But otherwise, you simply couldn't count on them telling the truth. Claiming and pretending to be true to the Old Testament, and legalistically, you could almost say they were. Because, I mean, after all, God never said, don't misuse the name of the temple, or don't misuse the name of the altar. And they actually were adulterating God's law and principles to come up with their own version of honesty or dishonesty, whatever you want to call it. That if you swear by the name of God, then you must keep your word. Anything less, and you're just not bound. 
so that even when they told the truth, they were still liars because they had no commitment to the truth unless it was convenient for them and suited their purpose, and that makes truth a lie. Doesn't that sound a lot like America today? Diogenes walked through the streets of Athens looking for an honest man, couldn't find one. And there are places and streets in the U.S. where he would have to look long and hard to try to find an honest person. Maybe even in your own house. Maybe even in your own life. Let me give some examples, some that maybe you have experienced in others, maybe even in yourself, maybe even as a Christian. Let's say that you're a secretary and your boss has some people that he doesn't want to see, so he instructs you to screen his calls. You know, if it's somebody that I don't want to talk to, to just tell him that I'm out. That's the Pharisaic, you know, honesty or dishonesty, because he's not out. Honesty that suits my purpose. Let's say that the teacher is handing out a test, and you're a student in that class, and at the end of the test, there's a question that you know is worth a lot toward the grade of the test because you know the teacher. And the question is simply this, did you read the assigned material? And she's counting on the old concept of integrity. But what would, what would be the overwhelming response in that class today? They're all going to say, yeah, I read it, even if they didn't. Some hunters go deer hunting, each with a license to shoot one deer apiece. One hunter gets his deer the first day, but he also goes out the next day hunting. And if he shoots another deer, well, that's his friend's deer, and he tags it with the other man's tag. Now, if that practice is not permitted by the state, and I don't know if Florida permits that or not, I have no idea, but if it's not, it's Pharisaic dishonesty. Honesty for the sake of convenience and personal gain. A fisherman catches his limit of fish in the morning and goes out again in that, after, that same afternoon and does it again. Legalistically, it may never get caught, and it may even sound honest. You know, I stopped as soon as I reached my limit, twice. <laughs> and then he tries to teach his kids about being honest. How honest are you on a job resume? Somebody said the closest a person ever comes to perfection is on a job resume or a job interview. Do you ever tell somebody, I'll pray for you? But you know the odds are that you really will not spend time in prayer before God's throne for that person. How about the IRS? I don't know if this is true or not. It sounds kind of far-fetched, but it's a good illustration. Some time ago, the IRS received a letter. Gentlemen, enclosed, you'll find a check for $150. I cheated on my income tax last year and have not been able to sleep since. If I still have trouble sleeping, I'll send you the rest. <laughs> Honesty for my sake, right? Calling in sick when you're not really sick. You just want a day off. I mean, that's what the Pharisees would do. They would call into work, and they would have their fingers crossed behind their back. A teenager tells his or her parents that they're going to see one particular movie, but when they get there, they go watch another movie, and, and they, he or she knows that the parents would not approve of that movie. Yep, that's exactly what the Pharisees would do, but not Jesus. 
A girl gets a call from Jim the nerd asking her to go out on Friday night, and she says, I've already got a date, but she doesn't. It's not true. She just doesn't want to go out with him. And she becomes a kissing cousin to the Pharisees. A businessman beefs up his so-called business expenses or adds a few extra miles to his business mileage. You know, we can, we can rename it or call it whatever we want, a white lie, a fib, an exaggeration, stretching it, everybody does it, whatever we call it. We're still talking about what Solomon was talking about in Ecclesiastes 5 and what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5. So what about Jesus? How did he read the Old Testament? You know, integrity and honesty is kind of a boring and mundane topic. Certainly not as important as things like stealing or murder or kindness or mercy or idolatry, right? And yet Jesus still, he applied discipleship to this area as well. Jesus said, if you want to follow God and receive the rewards of obedience, then you must be my disciples even with your word. Your honesty. You must be a person of truth at all times and not just when it's convenient or personally rewarding or beneficial. People must be able to count on you and know that you won't let little white lies just slide by because it makes it easier for you at home or at work or at school. Jesus said if we truly want to please God, we must become like him in all things, he who cannot lie. Jesus said it is totally ridiculous to say that swearing by God makes your oath binding, but swearing by anything else does not. I mean, after all, who lives in heaven? God. So if I swear by heaven, I'm really swearing by the God who lives there. Swearing by earth. Earth is his footstool. If I swear by the earth, I'm swearing by the God, by the God who made it. And whose city is Jerusalem? Because they, they would swear by Jerusalem. It's God's city. Who changes the hair from black to white? Don't say your kids or your grandkids. <laughs> and isn't this the temple of the Lord, Jesus would say? You say the gold is most holy, but the gold is, the gold is only holy because it's part of the temple, which is God's. And the altar. Isn't that God's altar? But you say it's the gift on the altar. That's what's most holy. But isn't the, isn't the gift holy because it was given to God on the altar? See, every, the, his point is everything is God's. So how can anyone think that by swearing by anything, whatever it is, then the oath, as long as it's not by God's name, then the oath is somehow considered invalid. So Jesus carries this a step further. He said, I say to you, make no oath at all either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond this is of evil. Now, oaths were not unlawful in Jesus' day, but what they were doing with them was wrong. So Jesus said, let's just alleviate the problem. Let's make it no oaths at all, because all oaths are binding. But you guys simply cannot see that, Jesus said. So simply say, yes, and I will, or no, and I won't, and then do it or don't do it. It's, it's as simple as that. 
And I think that's exactly what God intended way back in Exodus 20, verse 7 in the Ten Commandments, when he said, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And in Ecclesiastes 5, where Solomon said, it's better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Jesus is saying that we as his disciples should not have to say, oh, cross my heart, hope to die. Or I swear on my grandmother's grave. Or I swear on a stack of Bibles, or even actually place your hand on a Bible. But rather, as a Christian, we, our word should always be good. If we say, yes, I will, then you do it. If we say, no, I won't, then I won't do it, always. Now, let me diverge from that for just a little bit. Did Jesus absolutely forbid taking an oath in any and every situation? That, let's say, if in a court of law, and you're asked to place your hand on the Bible, I don't even know if they still do that anymore, but if they do, and, and you're, being, you're asked to swear to tell the, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Is that forbidden? Well, I personally don't think so. Some think that, and that's fine. Most Quakers take that position. And I certainly respect and understand those who do take that position. I mean, after all, it is what Jesus said. And for those who do think it's wrong to ever take an oath, then they certainly should never take an oath. But I think Jesus was dealing with something that was designed by God originally to be good and useful, but was being abused by the people in Jesus' day who were saying, you know, certain oaths are binding and others are not. Depends on what words I use. Nya, 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 you know. So Jesus' solution for them was don't make any oaths at all. You simply say yes or no. And you mean and do what you say. The Apostle Paul quite often took what could be considered an oath in his writings. In Galatians 1.20, he said, I assure you before God, sounds like an oath to me, that I am not writing you a lie. 2 Corinthians 1.23, I call God as my witness that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Romans 1.9, God whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness. How constantly I remember you. Romans 9.1, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 2.5, you know we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. Therefore, to me, Jesus was not calling for an absolute ban on all oaths. I don't think that was Jesus' intent or else Paul's oaths never would have made it into Scripture. But if we go to a court of law, and we are asked to swear, to swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God, we can say with confidence, even with our hand on a Bible, we can say with confidence and, cry, and pride, by the God that we serve, yes, I swear to tell the truth. And then guess what's important? You tell the truth. That's what's important. The point of what Jesus is saying here is this. The Christian's word means something. Now, yes, I know that even the most truthful can, when the conditions are right, tell an untruth. Doesn't make it right, but it does happen. But our overall honesty and integrity should be such that people just know that you are telling the truth. When we call in sick, 
we are sick. They don't even have to check it out. They just know you're sick. When we report something on our income tax return, it is correct. Or maybe not always correct, but it's honest anyway. When we are out of the office, if we say we're out of the office, then we are out of the office. If we say we're going to go see this movie, well, that's the movie we go see. Christians don't lie just to make it easier. Now, there are times, right, when a lie would make it easier, when honesty might not be what seems like the best policy at the moment, but it is always God's policy. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no, no. We can either choose to play the Pharisaic game and be loose with the truth, to lie when it's convenient or to our advantage, or we can choose to be people of honesty and integrity, even when that's not convenient. You know, maybe there's some, some of you here today that have been living a lie before others, before yourself, and before your God. A lie that says, my life is right with him, but God knows it isn't, and you know it isn't also, because you have never really, truly accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and been obedient to him, and been cleansed of your sin. Whatever decision you need to make in your own personal life, we invite you to make that decision. If you need to, if you need to talk with me afterwards, or one of the elders, or wait till Bryce gets back, whatever, just make sure that you carry through with your word. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you are a God of total honesty. We trust you. We trust your word. That's just who you are. We thank you, though, that you are a God also who is, you understand that we are far short of you, that we do make mistakes. We sin. Father, we ask you to forgive us of our sins. We ask that we will that you would be able to use what we have heard today to apply it to our lives and whatever decision we need to make, that we can make that before this day is over. Please forgive us of our sins. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.